everybody, you're listening to The Real IT Podcast. Whether you come from a technical or non-technical background, we'll tackle practical, real-life ways to level up your IT career, get past the hurdles you'll encounter one day soon, or are already facing right now. Today in the Real IT Podcast, we're talking with John Hyatt about the pros and cons of traveling for work. And since John has traveled over 60 countries, we also hit him up for some vacation recommendations and tips. John has a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science and is closing in on 30 years of IT industry experience. John started his career out as a software developer and has been a senior dev, director of development, CTO, and agile coach. He has been very involved in the Agile community and has organized the Calgary Agile Methods User Group for eight years and is also the co-founder of Agile Open Canada. Outside of IT, John spends a lot of his time outdoors and is an amazing mountain biker, snowboarder, and is also a world traveler. He is very smart, thoughtful, is always insightful, and we're lucky to have him on the show today. If you wish to get a hold of John, you can reach him on LinkedIn with his full name, Jonathan Hyatt you see a benefit in traveling as an IT professional and getting experience outside of just where you were raised or where you went to school or just kind of your local region? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of personal reasons why you might want to travel, but there are also career reasons. First of all, getting exposure to a big market. You and I both worked in Silicon Valley at the beginning of of our careers. Now, that's beneficial because it looks great on a resume, but you also have a lot of opportunities to work with interesting people and to really push yourself. So there's this like rapid career growth that you can experience when you move to a market that's saturated in opportunities. Some of the personal reasons you might go is you look at say California and New York, they have high cost of living, but also high salaries. So if you have student debt you want to pay down, you can pay it down a lot quicker if you're earning more money. Sure. I never uh, thought about that one. I just right? thought about the, the opportunity that you might not have gotten elsewhere for sure. Yeah. It was definitely a career builder in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And if you have further opportunities to work in India like you did or places that have different cultures, you're going to see things different from a user usability standpoint. The more diversity you experience, the more you will empathize with the people that you're building software for. Because you have to remember you're not building software for you, which I think most software developers will start out thinking about like, oh, you know, like this works for me, so it's going to work for everybody. And that isn't the way it goes. And so the more things you have exposure to, the more you'll be able to tailor, tailor that sort of thing. I agree. Things. And whether those experiences are good or bad or challenging, if yeah. you want to say it different, I think you're still growing and you will grow in ways that you might not have, or would might have taken longer if you'd stayed just, you know, again, where you grew up or in the same region where you went to school yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That wider range of experiences. It definitely changes you. And I think for the better, it makes you more well-rounded, like understanding the different perspectives, different cultures. You know, I grew up in a really small farming town. Everyone went to school, graduated, got married, pretty much stays there. Not not everybody, but a lot of people. So getting a chance to see the world in different perspectives, definitely helpful. And from a career perspective, like you said, usability, getting different methodologies, different techniques. Yep, even different availability of internet. So if you have your internet dropping all the time because you're in a rural area in India or something like that, you're going to think about that when you design your software. Okay, maybe I need to consider some sort of offline mode or a little bit more resilience in my network connectivity in my app. Uh, You're going to make decisions like that. Or maybe like something I've noticed is as my vision deteriorates, this, you know, the option to increase a font or make other accessibility things, you know, add other accessibility 
features into the app becomes more important. And that can be around that. So then, you know, once you start experiencing these things, you think differently about them. And, and I don't think it's quite enough to sit and scratch your chin and think about it in your office. You have to experience it to truly understand what it means to have less accessibility, have worse internet, maybe just have a crappier phone because you can't afford a nice phone. Like what is the experience yeah, like on that phone? Exactly. You right? go to other countries, like an iPhone 12 or iPhone 14 or whatever the latest version is going to be, that's gold. That can be somebody's half of their salary. Yep, absolutely. There are a lot of people that worry or think that they should just be at one place for their whole career or maybe two. So 30-year career, they were at two companies. And likewise, there's employers who think, okay, well, if mm-hmm. you're more than two companies, that's also a bad thing. Yep. You know, There's good and bad things to that. I'll give the one perspective first where I have a friend and they've been at a company for a very long time. And I was like, well, how do you do that? Like, don't you find that you're kind of in the same role for a really long time, kind of grinding away? He was like, no, they've been really good to me. They've been giving me new roles and new opportunities and new projects. So my career is always growing. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. I know that's not always the case. I'll, I'll throw that over your way. You know, I think there are advantages and disadvantages to both. It's much less likely that people stay in a particular organization for such a long time, especially in tech. I think that changes quite a bit. I've had people look at my resume and say, wow, you've got a lot of different companies. You know, that's a lot of great experience. You've learned a lot. And then other people say, wow, this guy jumps around a lot. And if you're in a company that values long-termism, you're going to look for people who are long-term. If you're in an organization that values that diversity of knowledge, you're going to look for that. And so there's opportunities for both those people. And if you try to switch from one to the other, it's a little harder. You can still do it but it isn't necessarily the case. So I've chosen the path of working at a lot of different places, doing a lot of consulting, different organizations, different geographical regions. And that suited me. It's about my personality. And so if you're the type of person who really wants to stick to an enterprise, you like the stability, but you want to stay in the same place, then do that, right? Do whatever you want to do. Do what you like to do because that's where you're going to be happiest. Uh, I agree with that. Absolutely. And I don't think you should let an employer, if you're looking for a new job, judge you for that. Like, don't feel bad about that. If you've stayed in a place for a long time and it was a great career and you've had lots of opportunities, work with great people, and that was for you, yeah. great. Don't let somebody yeah. make you feel bad about that. Likewise, I was had an opportunity, it was a few years back, and I was interviewing with the president. He was just, the whole interview was, why did you leave that company? Why did you leave that company? It was like, okay, I'll, I'll sum this up for you. Life happens. I self-directed my career. Mm-hmm. And I like to travel. And he, he hated those answers. <laughs> Absolutely hated them, yeah. right? Because he wanted me to be at one place for 20 years. Yeah. I actually cyber-stalked our peer group, just all the friends that we have. And not one of us has taken that path that I know of. Everyone's kind of self-directed their career, both yeah. for travel, for family, or circumstances. Maybe you're with a company, it gets acquired by another company. Like I was with one company, it got acquired. Every single person quit after the acquisition. I was the yeah. last one. And yet, if you look at my resume, like, why were you only with that company for four years? I'm like, dude, I was the last one (laughs) who was left standing until I eventually quit too. I didn't even have an office. They closed my office. I was traveling down in Silicon Valley at the time. And that is very common, especially if you're in the startup world. I've worked for six startups now, and Mm -hmm. only one of them was kind of successful. Right? They often fail, and that's fine. Right. That's just part of the industry. But it looks a bit weird if you're going to a big bank or a big oil and gas yeah. company where people work for 15 or 20 years at a time. Good perspective, John. Thanks. I like that question because we both have traveled a little bit. And like I said, yeah. our peer group you know, has always been more self-directed in their, their job opportunities and career building, looking for what they want in the company and people, technology. So, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. 
John, how many countries have you been to? And you actually had a number. I don't know if you still remember. Yeah, you know, I, I don't remember exactly. It's it's over 60. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. um, <laughs> I did a lot of that. You know, I took a little career break early in my career and I, I ended up traveling for two years and that's where I got the bulk of them. Since then, I've taken longer trips here and there, like extra little career breaks. And then I continue to travel with my wife and kids now. We went to Israel a few years ago. Uh, we're going to Japan in a few weeks. It's a lifelong passion. That's something I really enjoy. Clearly a passion. So what got you hooked? Is there a defining moment when you got the travel bug? When I was a kid, I was 11, and my parents were teachers, and I got the opportunity to chaperone a trip to Europe. And, you know, 11-year-old, I'd rather spend the summer playing with my friends. But after I came back from the trip, I realized just how much I'd learned and how amazing that experience was. And after that, it kind of got more onto my radar kind of forgot about it a little bit. And then when I was working in Silicon Valley, I met a friend of a friend and she had worked for a consulting company in Asia. And she started telling me about all these different places in Asia. And it just sounded so interesting. Like, well, I'm just going to have to go. So I started putting countries on my list. And then I worked with a bunch of guys from India and they started telling me all about India. I'm like, well, I'm going to put that on my list. At which point they said, are you crazy? Why would you go to India? <laughs> yeah, I've met a few folks. You're going to get ripped off. <laughs> it's a beautiful country. Like having been yeah. to India, it's yeah. beautiful. The food is amazing. Downside, Absolutely. if you're a Westerner, there's a 50-50 chance you're going to get sick from it. But my goodness, like so fresh, the spices. and Absolutely. Wow. Spices, fruit. I mean, you will get sick. It's just there's a different GI system yeah. from what we're used to. And you're going to spend your time partially sick or completely sick. You know, it's just the way it goes, right? Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether you eat at the street vendor, or whether you eat in the fanciest hotel, it's just different. You tried the street vendors too? I did actually. <laughs> I, when I, I was in India for two months and I mostly ate vegetarian, I met a guy, a local guy on a forum and uh, we, he was showing me around Bombay and he said, I'll take you to the best street vendors around. So he took me and we just, we ate meat all night long. Oh. It was delicious and I didn't, you know, get sick at all. Really? Uh, felt good. And uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a cool experience. I tried the, the street vendors, even though my local co-workers told me not to. So oh, yeah. you know, my Western stomach wouldn't handle it. Yeah. And they were right. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it anyway. It was yeah. delicious. I mean, it was a lot yeah. of fun. It, when you do feel bad, you, you never actually really know what caused it. It could have been the street vendor, but it could have been the bottle of water that, uh, that you bought. You don't know. It wasn't yeah, really bottled the way you thought or the ketchup yeah. package. I got mm. hit by a ketchup package once. Yeah. So yeah. I knew because I was really, really watching my diet so carefully. Then I got sick. I'm like, what could it be? And then I went back and was like, oh, I put ketchup on my, you know, my, my French fries. So. so traveling to 60 countries, which I think is absolutely amazing. I didn't know it was 60. Last time we talked, I think you said 53. So you've added a few. Yeah, a few more. What is a country that, that you think kind of stands out as a, a favorite place, a place that's really memorable? Not, yeah. not to rip on any of the other amazing places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really hard question to answer. I mean, mostly I think about like very specific experiences. How about if I pick two countries? So in 2005, I went to Myanmar. And Myanmar is, if you think about it, it's kind of like the end of the road because it's difficult from a bureaucratic standpoint to get to. And so not many tourists go. And so the experiences that you end up having are very authentic. One of the things that we did is we hired a local guide to basically walk us through the countryside from an area called Inlay Lake to a city called, or town called Kala. Yeah. And it really meant you're going to places where there are no roads and you're just wandering through small villages and the people that we met, we would stay with local people while we were doing that. That's it's a, a really interesting uh, experience, uh, you know, having all of these conversations. Because a lot of times when you're, let's say you're, you call yourself a tourist, you go and you see the sites, but you don't really see the country. 
And so this is much more of a see the country experience. So that, so that's one. And before you jump on, I yep. so agree with you. Like you can travel yep. and stay in like the fancy hotels or travel as a Westerner and stay at resorts and things. But the very best experiences I have had is when I'm more like a local. Yeah. You know, I'm staying yeah. in local places. I'm off the beaten path. I'm not near the tourist attractions. Yeah. Those are absolutely the best experiences. It's those conversations you have with the street vendor or the rickshaw driver or whoever it is about their lives and, you know, exactly. th that, that really like kind of define the country and make it, and, and they'll also often lead to more interesting experiences because they're curious to talk to you. And they'll be like, well, one guy said, come see my cheese factory when I met him on the bus. I'm absolutely. I'm going to go do that. Right. It's a neat experience. Yeah, you're right. You get off the beaten path. You start meeting people who aren't from the tourist areas. I was traveling just in a place like Alaska of all places. Yep. Like in this one area, they had lots of cruise ships come in. And so I went into one of the stores, happened to be near where the cruise ships come in. When I talked to the store owner, they seemed kind of, I had their walls up, I guess. And I looked down and I was kind of processing what was happening because everyone else was really friendly and really nice. And I was like, I'm not with the cruise ship. And it was like his shoulders just slumped out. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, no problem. Yeah. Where are you from? And then he got all chatty and things like yeah. that. So kind of the same thing when you get away from the tourist destinations, wherever you're traveling, whatever country you're in, you meet locals who aren't yep. used to the hustle bustle of some tourists, you know, or some ugly tourists that ruin it for everybody. And you get that, you get just get to know people. It's really yeah. awesome that way. Yeah. Really like it. Yeah, I had a very similar experience in uh, Skagway, Alaska, where the town is 800 people, but there are 10,000 people a day that come in off the cruise ships because there's a whole bunch of them parked there. And at night, as everybody goes back to the ship for dinner and the town is deserted, right? <laughs> it's just, a, it's like a ghost town at night compared to when you arrive in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wouldn't think yeah. in a place like that, but the same experience I had where it's outback Australia or wherever, in, in that Alaska situation, I told you about the stoner, store owner. And I'll edit that, don't worry. <laughs> the stoner. <laughs> the store owner started talking to me, just normal conversation, a normal human being at that point, and then found out where I was from and invited me back for dinner with his family. And that's the same experience you get you know, exactly. in any local place and you never yeah. expect it in a, a busy place like, and like, like that. And people are mostly very friendly. If you're in a place, you're, you know, it's not your place, the locals will kind of take care of you almost always. All right, what's your second place? So for a completely different reason, Iceland. Um, mm. and, I, and I went there about 15 years ago. It was still quite expensive to go and it wasn't on very many people's radar and did a camping trip. And Iceland is interesting. It's not because you meet many people there, you know, small population. Once you're out of Reykjavik, you don't see a lot, but the natural beauty of the place and what you would expect when you hear the word Iceland, you think, uh, nothing, but the, the colors are rich and vivid. And it's a really fascinating place to, to travel around. Everything's very big, big ice caps, big vistas, the wildlife, the, the nesting grounds of the Arctic terns there are, are astounding, right? There's just a lot of natural beauty. So completely different experience than something like Myanmar, but really, really impressive. Thanks for listening to the Real IT Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating and review. And please introduce the Real IT Podcast to your friends and coworkers. Again, thanks for listening to the episode and hope all is well with you, your family, and your friends.